In moments, once we get the show going, we have got a special holiday shopping deal to share with you and can just say quickly now that, as you may well know, this season, the NBA is playing with new balls, Wilson taking the court in lieu of Spalding. And in the spirit of the season, Manscaped is joining us in offering up a deal to help keep things fresh both on and off the court, 20% off and free shipping with the code SOUND when you check out at Manscaped. You've been thinking about a gift for the holidays. You want to treat yourself, treat others. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SOUND. This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System, L-I-V-E Live. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty. I hope you celebrated. Uh, if you had the time to celebrate with friends and family, Thanksgiving in the United States globally, hope you just had some turkey on the side just to, just to join in on all the fun. Uh, Scott, how you feeling? I'm feeling good, Colin. Uh, it was a good Thanksgiving break. Got some uh, s- some much needed rest from you know the first month and a bit of the season. Um, but we're now twenty odd games in at the quarter mark of the season. We can kind of throw these small sample sizes out of the window. We have a good sense of of who these teams are, and we just had a great matchup between the two best teams in the NBA right now, between the Suns and the Warriors. And we actually have another one between them at the end of this week. So. All is well going into uh, the the Christmas break, which is coming sooner than I had. I, I just can't believe we're, we're at Christmas already, nearly. <laughs> yeah, we're we're speeding through things here uh, on the calendar. Like we're smack down in the middle of the holiday season. Uh, you know, a lot of celebration. We had Diwali in in India for our folks out in India. They were celebrating that just a couple of weeks ago. We're now smack down in the middle of Hanukkah, and as you said, Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, it, it's speeding by. You know, the uh, the calendar year is definitely flying by. Um, quarter poll awards. We'll get to that a little later on the show. The Lakers are going to be without LeBron James uh, for a handful of games. We'll talk about what impact that may have on the team out in L.A. Uh, the Utah Jazz, I think people are kind of sleeping on the Jazz a little bit. We'll discuss if that's warranted or not. But we got to start right off the top with what you mentioned, Scott. Suns-Warriors, an epic game on Tuesday night. Um, the first of three this month. They're going to play again a little later on this week. But just looking at last night's game, if you're listening to us on the podcast, that was Tuesday night's game. Uh, what did you take out of that? I mean, the biggest takeaway is uh, Mikel Bridges is one hell of a defender. I mean, th- this is a guy who was an all-defensive candidate last season, just missed out. And, you know, he chased around Steph Curry. The matchup data says he, he got him for seven minutes. Steph only got three shots off against him. He was in his grill all night long, making him uncomfortable. And it led to what StatMuse pointed out was Curry's worst shooting night of his career, including the playoffs um, on a minimum of 20 field goal attempts. Steph Curry had, you know, an uncharacteristic night and Bridges played a huge role in that. And, you know, on a national TV, on a national stage, I think this is one of those those matchups that we're going to remember all season long um, when, when it comes to kind of voting for these things, when all defensive teams, um, but also defensive player of the year, like he, he he's that good on that end of the court and he proved it in that game. 
Beyond that, I mean, you know, th- th- this was a huge win for the Suns. They've won, what, 17 in a row now. Um, they just beat the team that had the best record in the NBA. They were yep. able to do it without Devin Booker, who left the game with a hamstring injury. Hopefully that's nothing serious. But this this Suns team is just a well-oiled machine. Like, they're, they're locked in defensively. Um, you know, they, they play a drop coverage, and yet against a, a Warriors team who have the best off-the-dribble shooter in the league, Aiton is switching more onto him, and he's doing well defending him on an island. Um, they're just arms and, and limbs everywhere, playing the passing lanes, making you uncomfortable. And then offensively, I mean, when Aiton plays the way that he did, super aggressive in the post, taking advantage of mismatches, you know, Chris Paul, we know he's one of the the, the best closers we've ever seen in the league um, and, and him doing the things that he did down the stretch. I mean, this Suns team, we, we've talked a lot about how good the Warriors are and you, we're not going to overreact to to one game, um, especially when they still have, you know, Clay Thompson coming back soon, James Wiseman as well. This team is nowhere near full strength. Um, this Suns team is just incredible and it feels like, you know, they went on a magical run last year. Some people thought it was a little fluky because of the injuries that other teams had. Um, but they're just, you know, even firing on, on on even more than they were last season. They feel more cohesive, more confident in who they are. And, you know, some of the young guys are improving. And, and this team is just, this. I mean, this team's legit. We kind of knew it going into this matchup, but it kind of reaffirmed that. Yeah, one thing stuck out to me last night, Scott, and I'm going to get to it right after we hear this message from our home office. Yes, thank you so much. Here from the home office, we want to bring in a quick reminder that the holidays can mean a fresh start. The topic of shaving is not just something limited to acronyms from the past like CCNY, BC, or ASU. And the Clippers, of course, can sometimes underperform. So that's where we wanted to get in your ear one week early as next week there will be more details. But for now, in the spirit of the season, Manscaped is joining us and offering up a deal to help keep things fresh both on and off the court. 20% off and free shipping with the code SOUND when you check out at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping using the code Sound. You've been thinking about a gift for the holidays? Treat yourself, treat others. That's where 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com comes in. And you got to use that code SOUND. Yeah, I mentioned before the break that one thing really stuck out to me in watching the Warrior Suns, one of three matchups that will be played here in December. And and the one thing that is, is that the, the Warriors... Uh, missed an inside presence. Um, it, it felt I know Kevon Looney's there, and he, he is a a solid center. But what the team might be with James Wiseman uh, getting an opportunity to play, it really changes things for me. I, I think you know they, they're versatile. They, you know the, the, this team can go big, could go small if they're fully healthy. We know what Clay Thompson's going to do when he comes back in the lineup, assuming that he's he's even you know close to what he was when he left. I, I think I know what I'm going to get out of Clay Thompson. I'm so intrigued about what, about what James Wiseman could bring to the table, and that for me is going to be the difference between me picking this Warriors team to win the championship versus not picking them to win the championship when the playoffs do roll around. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think that one of the things that did jump out to me uh, for the Warriors is that it, it did look like they struggled to get downhill a little bit. Um, we know as an extension of Stephen Curry, like this team moves constantly on offense. You know, they're, they're excellent at manipulating screens. Kevon Looney, he's on the same page as Curry all the time. They run some of their split cuts for Jordan Poole. Like this team is just exhausting to defend. And that's what makes the Suns team such a good defensive team is that they're all like locked in one through five. 
Um, they don't make silly mistakes. They pay attention to all the details. And it kind of felt like last night's game that, you know, when their off-ball things couldn't work, that the Warriors kind of struggled to, to, to know what to go to next. Um, again, I, I, I'm not overreacting too much to it, but it is one thing that kind of did jump out, um, did have my eye on, and something I, I, I'm going to be looking for in the remaining games between the Warriors and the Suns this season because, I mean, again, the Suns are just so good defensively. They can defend so many different ways, so many different systems. They can switch. They can play a drop coverage. Um, mm-hmm. They can kind of go a little bit smaller, and they're just long. Like, Jay Crowder's tough. And he's a guy who's been in this league for a really long time. Mikel Bridges is all arms and all legs. Like, he just smothers guys with his length. Um, and Chris Paul is just a genius defensively. He's one of the best defensive guards that we've ever seen. So this team is just really, really good. Um, again, we'll see what the Warriors are, kind of when they're at full strength. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, you know you know what's one funny stat, by the way, that I wanted to ask you about? I think it was John Schumann, who uh, I, I saw it a couple weeks ago, him mentioned. Do you want to guess... How many field goals Chris Paul has made in the restricted area this season? Speaking of kind of putting pressure on teams in the paint. <laughs> in total, you're talking total, not per game. Total. Total. Uh, I'm going to go 11. I don't know why 11 sticks out to me. <laughs> four. So he's made 108 <laughs> field goals this season. He's made four in the restricted area. Wow. Um, that's just Chris Paul doing his things. One of the best mid-range shooters we've ever seen. Just a genius offensively. Um, but yeah, watching that game last night too, I think he had one shot around the basket and I was like, oh yeah, I do, I do remember John Schumann, uh, tweeting that stat and kind of looked it up after, uh, before this. Yeah. I, I think both sides do have an argument, uh, to, to, to say that they could play better, uh, on, on, a, on another giving night. Uh, obviously Steph Curry's not going to have the worst shooting performance of his career again in the other two matchups, potentially four later down the road. Um, you know, we, we mentioned Clay and, and James Wiseman coming back. So the ceiling for the Warriors gets raised there. Andrew Wiggins was dealing with back injury, uh, back issues, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, still played in the game, but clearly wasn't himself. Um, so there are some excuses for the Warriors to use going forward. And on the other side, the Suns, they, they won despite Devin Booker not playing the entire game. He left uh, w- with an injury and, and did not return in that second half. Um, so hopefully a speedy recovery for him. And also their front line is thin. You know, the, the Frank Kaminsky, who was playing really good basketball, uh, still not in the lineup for them uh, either. So they, they can get back to um, – uh, both teams could get back to a, you know an even higher ceiling. So it really makes it interesting. I'll put you on the spot, and you have the opportunity actually to change your answer the next – you know, for, for – two more times after this um who's the better team right now Ooh, you are putting me well since you you you've given me the out that i can change my answer the next two times um i mean i I think it's the suns look it it was a really impressive win um i i just think this team has very few flaws on both ends of the court um and to think that you know they won this game without devin booker yes the warriors are going to get clay thompson and james wiseman back um i I just i really like the suns team yeah, what about you? I, I agree. Uh, Suns, Suns won. And I'm not just saying that because they won the game. I, I, it's the way they won the game for me. Um, they were able to start, do something that no other team was able to do um, ever, for that matter. And, and that stopped Stephen Curry uh, or have him uh, shoot as poorly as he did. And I mentioned, you know, the, the injuries that they're dealing with, um, not just Booker, who, what happened in the game. But I think Frank Kaminsky is going to end up being uh, <laughs> weird me saying that. I can't believe I'm talking about Frank Kaminsky like he's going to be a game changer. But he was playing that well. <laughs> He before was. he left uh, with, with his injury. So um, I, I do see Phoenix being the better team. Might change my answer after Friday's game when these two teams do it again uh, down in the Bay. All right. Um, 
there's one team in the Western Conference, Scott, that I don't think anybody's paying enough attention to, and they're and that's probably because the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors uh, are in their same conference and they're above them, uh, and that's the Utah Jazz. The Jazz are 14 and seven at the time of recording. They're starting a two-game winning streak um, in the conference. They're nine and two, so they're taking care of business. They're an elite team at home. We know that every year. Um, why aren't more people paying attention to Utah? I mean, I think it has to do with the fact that this is a team that's kind of come up short in the last two postseasons, right? Especially after the way the last season ended. You know, they got that matchup with the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard gets injured during the series. um, And the Clippers kind of just embarrassed them down the stretch of that series. So I I think they're one of those teams that a lot of people are kind of like... Whoa, whoa, I can't let you do that. This is for the Utah fans out there. Yes, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, got injured, you know, in in the series. But it's not like Utah was fully healthy themselves. No, I, I'm saying I, I think this is what j- people generally think about this team. Um, you're right. No, they weren't healthy themselves. Donovan Mitchell was dealing with an ankle injury. I think Mike, Mike Conley uh, for the second season in a row was kind of dealing with, with some uh, some injuries himself. So, like, no, that they went at full strength. I'm just saying I, I think that's kind of what generally people talk about this team. Um, but, look, we know what they're like in the regular season. They're just a fantastic team on both ends of the court. They're actually quietly, I feel like no one's talking about, like they have the best offensive rating in the league right now by a mile. Yep. They're averaging yep. 115.2 points per 100 possessions. The That's Warriors are second with 112.4. So there's like three points per 100 possessions difference, which is massive. That's 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 huge. Um, they're just a really smart team. Everyone plays their role. Yes, Rudy Gobert is not like a dominant scorer, but he's a guy who is willing to set a million picks and his his ability to kind of screen and roll offensively unlocks so much of their shooting. Um, they have one of the best young players in the league in Donovan Mitchell, and they're just deep. Like Mike Conley was an all-star last season. He's long been one of the best point guards in the league. I've always been a big big fan of Bogdanovich, a guy who can space the floor at a high level as a stretch four. Um, can it take take advantage of occasional mismatches and things like that? They got Joe Ingles, they got Jordan Clarkson off the bench. Rudy Gay was a big addition for them. Um, I, I I I think this we just we just know this team's going to be really good in the regular season, and I think for a lot of people it's going to be like, can they get over the hump in the playoffs? And when that happens, they'll take them seriously. Um, but I, I mean, I've said it before. I, I think they've they've had kind of some tough matchups in the past in the playoffs that don't necessarily suit them. Um, defense was an issue outside of, of outside of Rudy Gobert in that series last year in the playoffs um, because you know he, he he took a lot of heat for not being able to kind of play when the Clippers went five out, but a lot of you know he he didn't really have that much help. Like the guys in front of him weren't doing their job and kind of keeping guys out of the paint, so it was difficult for him to guard someone on the perimeter and cover up all their mistakes as well. So I think the addition of Rudy Gay is huge there. He's another big body who can kind of play smaller but also not lose much offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, we know this team is going to win a ton of regular season games. They've proven it the last couple of years. Yeah. I, I, on the offense point, it's not like they're just a really good offense te- offensive team uh, overall, but they're good in the half court. And I think that's what people need to look at when you're trying to predict what they'll be like in the playoffs. But they were good in the half court last year as well um, and in the playoffs. You know, it's not like they mm-hmm. struggled to score. The issue for them was defensively when it got to the playoffs. You know, they, this is a great offensive team and a great defensive team in a regular season. The playoffs is where it kind of falls apart, and they gave up 122.1 points per 100 possessions uh, in the half court, um, it, according to Cleveland Glass in the playoffs last year, which was good for 16th. That's not good enough to get it done. Uh, and that's a big drop-off off of where they were in the regular season where they only gave up 107.5 points per 100 possessions in the half court, and that was the best in the league. So they went from the best in the league defensively to the worst 
in the in the playoffs. Um, so it is a huge, huge drop off. And I think the Rudy Gay addition is one step in the right direction, Scott, because I think that he can play. Uh, he, he can at least you know moonlight a little bit at the five spot um, for for the Utah Jazz in spurts. I don't think you can play him there for an extended period of time, but I think you can ruin teams' momentum. Uh, by at least adding him there and, and, and having him play there when, when you know the, what the Clippers did last year and have the five out offense or, or anything like that, I think Rudy Gare could, could could kind of neutralize that a bit. Um, I'm not confident that they would have the same. I, I'm not confident that that's their best defensive lineman. I still think that you have to have find a way to get Rudy Gobert on the floor defensively um, in the playoffs uh, because he's your best defensive player. But I, I am waiting for this team to make some trade. Um, you know, I know they brought in Hassan Whiteside, and he's played well uh, coming off the bench for mm-hmm. them. But he's not going to be the guy that you know can can. He's he's you know less. Uh, he's slower than Rudy Gobert is. Um, you know, if you get him out on the perimeter, so he's not going to be the answer when Rudy Gobert is out of the game uh, to to help the defensive woes that they've seen in the playoffs. So I I do think that they should go out and get a small you know a, a four. Um, that could moonlight at five um, at the trade deadline and maybe be a little bit more spry. And I don't know who that is. I really don't. Maybe, maybe you know, Blake Griffin's out of the, the uh, rotation in Brooklyn. Maybe that's the move that they have to go out and get. Um, you know, is, is Utah attractive enough for Blake Griffin to try and chase a championship? Maybe he's that guy that, again, he's not a rim protector, but he's someone that's going to uh, take a charge here and there. And if he plays the way he played last year in the postseason for this Jazz team, that might be the guy that, you know, could help them a little bit uh, when teams try to uh, exploit Rudy Gobert in the way that they have the last couple of seasons in the postseason. Blake Griffin's three-point shooting has just fallen off a cliff this it season has. For, for whatever reason. Um, that, I think that's a big reason why he, he's not playing. Um, not that he's looked great defensively, but he did have spurts for them last season. I mean, he was huge in that series against the Bucks, against Giannis, especially at the start of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think the addition of Rudy Gay at least gives him that option, right, of being able to go small. Whether or not it's something that we see much in the regular season like remains to be seen but maybe that is like situationally they're playing a Clippers team that doesn't have Kawhi Leonard and they just decide to go all in a small ball and suddenly that's something they can do more of um so I I really like that addition I think um Sports Illustrated Chris Herring was really high on that for that kind of some of those reasons going into the season um and I think that's something that we will see more of in the playoffs I, I think Blake's interesting. Um, the, the one player who comes to mind for me is Thaddeus Young. Like, I, sure. I think he's just, he's someone who's going to be um, in pretty high demand maybe around the trade deadline because I, I would think he's pretty gettable. But he's also a guy like he's played a lot of five over the last couple of years. Um, a versatile defender, can do kind of the small things on offense, like pass, cut, um, and fill in some of those gaps. So I, I, not that he's, you know, a huge body. He's an undersized Sense, he's not a center uh, per se, but he's a guy who can play small ball five. Um, and I think, you know, whether it's Utah or another team, I, I, I can imagine seeing him on, on a good team kind of in the second half of the season. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how they uh, they figure out that rotation come closer to the playoff time. And, and we obviously haven't seen too much of Rudy Gobert at the five, or sorry, Rudy Gay, rather, at the five. He's only played a, a handful of games. He's shooting the lights out, though. I will give him that. Mm-hmm. My cousin is going crazy. He, uh, 50-50. <laughs> Uh, 70. He should shoot better from the free throw line. But uh, shout out to my cousin for for, for putting in work there at, uh, on the field. Um, all right, let's talk about the team. We're going from the, the top, the upper echelon of the Western Conference to the uh, to the bottom of it. The Los Angeles Lakers. 
Just uh, every time they flip their phones, they might get an alert from either Woj or Sham saying some sort of bad news. Uh, the latest is that LeBron James is in health and safety protocols. Well, of course, we, we wish him um, best of health and to get back with a speedy recovery. Anthony Davis with, uh, with some good news after their game. Uh, most recently talking to the media saying that LeBron is pretty much asymptomatic the last time he spoke to him. So hopefully that remains the same. Um, but uh, basketball-wise, the Lakers will be without LeBron for a handful of games coming up here. And uh, they haven't looked great without LeBron on the floor, to say the least. Um, getting Russell Westbrook was supposed to help some of those problems. It hasn't. Uh, healthy Anthony Davis was supposed to help some of that problems. It really hasn't. Um, where do you sit on the Lakers over the next couple of days, uh, or games, I should say, without LeBron? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the obvious, right? Like, we're talking about one of the greatest players of all time, a guy who's in his late 30s now, but is still one of the elite players in the league today. Um, of course, he makes his team better when he's playing. They are 7-4 and four with him this season, which is is fine, but they're 5-7 and seven without him. Um, and really, since that suspension after that uh, that Pistons game, He's been incredible. I mean, he was averaging 34 points, just under nine assists, and just under six rebounds per game. Um, and the, the on-off numbers, I mean, he, he really hasn't played that much, so it's hard to look too much into them. Um, but the Lakers have basically been holding teams to a standstill with LeBron on the court this season. And with them on the bench, they're, they're being outscored by 2.2 points per 100 possessions. So again, none of this is a huge surprise. Um, LeBron is a very good basketball player. They're a better team with him. But I do sure. think... I mean, look, they've been probably the most disappointing team to start this season, right? Um, We had a chat on NBA.com going into the season. We had the Lakers in the same tier, tier one with the Suns. Um, I just did kind of my updated tiers in the Western Conference, and I think I had them in the third tier. I believe so. um, With a a bunch of teams that are going to kind of be competing for that that four to six spot and one of those playing tournament um, spots. So this team has been a big disappointment. I, I, I do think... I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook fan. I've never been the biggest Russell Westbrook fan. I think he's. it's very easy to kind of point the finger at him, but he's actually been pretty good um, since the slow start. Not to say that his fit with LeBron and Anthony Davis is suddenly cleaner, because I don't think it's ever going to be, but kind of pinning all their problems on him just doesn't feel... It, it, I don't think it's fair. Um, really, like, I, I think they just need more from... Not just, because um, it's not just that, but more from Anthony Davis, I feel like, would go a long way for this team, because... It is really easy to forget, like, he was competing for a finals MVP with LeBron two years ago when they won that series. Sure. And a lot of the talk going into last season was, hey, is this a season that, that Anthony Davis is going to be, like, a legit MVP candidate um, and potentially win it? Um, also, Defensive Player of the Year. And it, it kind of felt like we were going into, like, prime AD years. And obviously, last year, he got injured. Um, so that kind of derailed the season for him. But this season, it hasn't. he hasn't... He just doesn't look like quite the same player to start this season. I mean, he's still obviously going to get numbers. Um, he's still one of the best defensive players in the league. But if he can kind of put his stamp on on this team and really take over, I, I do think that would still solve a lot of their issues. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm, I think Anthony Davis should be thanking the Lakers front office for bringing in Russell Westbrook because it's taken a lot of pressure off of him and, and a lot of the flack that he the team is getting or Russell Westbrook is getting should be directed towards Anthony Davis. This is a guy that is in the prime of his career. This is a guy that should be the best player on the team at this point. And it, it, we, we're just not seeing it. Um, you know, he's shooting under 20% from three point range. Stop taking threes. Um, you know, he, he could dominate defensively, but there's times where you watch him for, you know, six minute stretches and you're wondering, well, why isn't he, why isn't he, 
uh, you know, why isn't he making more of an effort to, to kind of stop these runs that the Lakers are allowing uh, when he's on the court? He, he, he needs to be better. Um, he, he, when he's assertive, though, he looks like one of the top three players in the league. But then oh, yeah. there's a lot of times where you, you watch a game and he's floating out there. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's um, a matter of, you know, Westbrook and, and, and James dominating the ball and maybe he needs to demand it more, maybe he needs to go into, uh, uh, you know, have that, that players-only meeting with those three guys and, and say, you know what, if we're, we're going to only go as far as AD can take us, um, maybe they need to decide that, come to consensus there. But right now, it, it, it's just not working. And I think the only way that this roster – as constructed uh, can elevate is if AD elevates because Westbrook, as you said, is not playing poorly uh, after the slow start. LeBron could only do so much in the regular season. We know he can get to another level in the playoffs, but he can only do so much in the regular season. It's got to be AD to carry them for for the eighty two game season. He hasn't been doing that. He's not even on. He's not even a, a rumor on on the on the MVP list right now. Like if you had to vote, you know the t- ten best, uh, you know ten players. Who you think might win MVP? He's not even a rumor on that list. That's not good enough for a guy, as I said, in the prime of his career, who this team is depending on to really carry them through. And I said it, you know, two weeks ago. This team is not a championship team. It's just not. And you know, if if AD is going to bring us this level of effort, uh, he could he could get to another level in the postseason. But I just don't see it happening consistently enough for me to believe in this team. I think this team has a second round ceiling at best. And unless they make a move and uh, they don't have any chips to make moves. So, um, you know, don't be surprised if this Laker team gets bounced in the second round. And I would I would actually be pretty shocked, Scott, if they make the second round uh, the way that things are going. I mean, Colin, the way that things are going, I mean, they're going to face an uphill battle of making the playoffs. Um, I mean, right now they're eighth in the Western Conference standings. Um, that is playing tournament range. And yes, there is very little separating the Mavs in four from the Lakers. Um, actually, they all basically have the same record. Um, so that can change game to game. But the, like I said at the top, once you account for the Suns and the Warriors, who I think we agree are the two best teams in the Western Conference, and the Jazz, who I think, as long as they can stay healthy, are a lock to have home court advantage, there are three spots, three locks for the playoffs in the Mavericks, the Clippers, um, the Lakers, and the Blazers. Those four teams. And then you have a bunch of other teams like the Grizzlies, who are hovering around that that range, the Timberwolves, um, the Nuggets. Who knows what's going to happen with them, with the injuries that they've had and everything. But like, there's going to be a team in that seven spot, one of those teams, and it's going to be very disappointing for them because they all think that they're going to kind of be contenders this season. Sure. Um, so it's, I, I think this is beyond the point of, like, can this team even make the second round or, or make it to the finals? Like, they're going to have to kind of get their stuff together to actually make the playoffs um, because of the way that everything's formatted now. Like, it's just not as easy. So, um, and that's the thing, like you said, like, what if there is a trade for this Lakers team, what is it? Because um, Russell Westbrook for John Wall, I don't think he's getting that sorted, you know, solving their problems. Right. Um, but this all goes back to, I, I just think we know what we're going to get from Russell Westbrook at this point of his career. He is who he is. He's been better than he was at the start of the season. So I don't think he should be getting kind of, um, you know, all the blame for the the, the, the the Lakers' struggles. LeBron James is still incredible. Um, we know what he's going to bring. But Anthony Davis, they're going to need more from him. I mean, StatMuse had that stat like three or four days ago, I think, saying that he's shooting 33.1% on jump shots so far this season, um, which is the worst of any player in the NBA who have attempted at least 150 shots, mm-hmm. uh, 50 jumpers. 
It's just not going to get it done. And we're talking about a guy who who really is like an all-time talent. He made the NBA 75 team. He should be entering his prime. Um, athletically, we haven't seen many players like him before. He's had a ton of size throughout his career. Um, I, he just, again, we can, we can keep going around, but he, he's someone who should be kind of, I do feel like, in that MVP conversation. Um, and until he kind of gets into that direction, it's kind of hard to see this Lakers team being much better than they are. There's a there's a part of me that wants to scream about him making the all seventy five team, but we're we're almost running out of time here, and we got the cold, yeah. you know quarter pole awards to to get to, so I'll, I'll let that slide. Um, let's talk about the uh, quarter pole awards because we voted on them as part of our uh, NBA Global Group, um, coming up with the awards, uh, the award winners as they were if the season ended today, I should say, uh, who we think might win each award. We won't go through every single one. Uh, but um, MVP, we need to start there, and I think um, you know it's it's pretty unanimous. Unanimous, who should win the MVP right now? It is. It's it's Stephen Curry. Um, in saying that, he is the front runner right now. It is pretty close with like another three players. I think Kevin Durant is in the conversation. Giannis sure. Antetokounmpo is in that conversation, and Nikola Jokic as well. I know he's missed some time. I know the Nuggets are down a bunch of players. But the numbers that he's posting, the things that he's doing on a nightly basis, and the impact that he's having on this team that has no business competing, and yet when he's out on the floor, like they beat the Heat the other night, even though they were out without Jimmy Butler, but they had no business winning that game. Um, Jokic, Jokic is in the MVP conversation. I have voted for Chris Paul as well. I know he's not putting up mm-hmm. MVP-level numbers, but uh, someone from the Suns has to be recognized, and uh, he got my third-place vote uh, amongst the team there. Rookie of the year. This probably brings up the most debate uh it's really between two players scotty barnes or evan mobley where do you sit right now right now with scotty barnes i think it's razor thin between them um i i just like kind of everything that we've seen from scotty barnes so far um again i it's it's so it's hard to talk about this without feeling like i'm knocking the other player because evan mobley has been fantastic especially defensively like you look at some of the numbers with the way that the Cavs are competing with him on the court um and they've basically been like the best defense in the league with him and uh, he, he's just been incredible as well. So I, I give the slight edge to Scotty Bonds right now. But ask me again in a week or two, wouldn't be surprised if it's Mobley. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I like both players. I could, if we could have voted Co, I, I think I would have went uh, went both ways with uh, with a split vote there. And by the way, don't sleep on Kate Cunningham. I think people think mm-hmm. it's a two horse race. Kate, yeah. Kate Cunningham's coming on pretty strong, and Josh Giddy is also playing really well. Uh, for the Thunder, for the few that watch them on a, watch them on NBA <laughs> League Pass, Defensive Player of the Year, where are you at? This is another pretty easy one for me right now. Is Draymond Green? Um, the Warriors have had the best defense in the league. He's kind of still at the peak of his powers on that end of the court. But it's again, it's another interesting conversation. I think Giannis deserves to be in it. I think he might actually be like the single best defensive player uh, defender in the league. Um, so he he's on the ballot for me. Obviously, you have Rudy Gobert, you have Bam Adebayo. And and shout out to Mikel Bridges too. I think he deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, I'm with uh, I'm with you on Draymond Green right now. The honest conversation is interesting because I just think he's the, in my opinion, he's pound for pound the best player in the league right now. So I, I it kind of almost eliminates him from just being uh, you know, defensive player of the year. Like I, I don't know why I don't know why I think that in my mind. Like I want to just give defensive player of the year to the to the dude that. It's like sole purpose on the floor is to just be a defensive, you know, juggernaut. 
Giannis does you know both ends of the floor. That's why he's just in the MVP race for me, um, and also the pound for pound best player of the year. Um, the last one we'll get to uh, is is coach of the year because I think that's an interesting one where it really could go either way. Uh, I, I think I have a different opinion on who's coach of the year right now, and I'm going to make a different argument on who's coach of the year than who I actually voted for. Um, but go ahead, who, who do you have? <laughs> um, well, first of all, I can't believe you don't want to get my most improved player of the year. Um, I, I don't my pick on record. So we'll be here for another hour. <laughs> we'll go ahead, um, coach of the year. Honestly, I'm kind of I can't remember if I picked Steve Kerr or Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked Steve Kerr. I'm I'm fine with that. I, I do think I probably give it to Monty Williams again. It's one of those things that's razor thin right now. But for me, it, it's those two um, at the top. Yeah, I I I agreed with you yesterday. I changed my complete completely. Uh, I'm going with Steve Nash. I, I think. The way the amount of uh, you know decisions that he has to make uh, or he's had to make since taking the job um, with you know uh, from start of last year when you know he's figuring out how to kind of ego manage Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant's coming off an injury. You, you don't know how much you want to play him and everything else. Um, and then you you get you know James Harden thrown into that mix. Then those guys are all injured at different times, and you have to work away around that and figure things out. That was last year. Now this year, coming into the season, you you, you think you're going to have your big three intact. In you made all these offseason moves. Kyrie Irving's not available to you. James Harden starts the season slow. Uh, Kevin Durant has to carry a heavier load. You're making roster decisions in terms of uh, you know not worrying about a guy's past history and telling Blake Griffin, you know what, DMPCD, my friend, like I, I don't care that you are you know an all star or you know finished top five in MVP voting at one point in your career. Like you're you're gonna have to sit down here and watch us you know flourish because you're not shooting the ball well enough. You're not playing defense well. That is a tough thing. I don't think people realize how tough it is to manage the egos of stars, like all stars in general, especially the aging all star. Uh, um, and, and Steve Nash has done that, and I think he deserves some credit for it. It's not just X's and O's. Sometimes you've got to manage egos, and Steve Nash is doing that right now. And um, you know, people were worried about what the Nets were at the start of the season. Is James Harden not the player he was? Is he have a step slow and everything else? Their first place in the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, and, and and probably will finish there, um, you know, before the end of the season. So uh, I have Steve Nash leading the front, you know, in, in front right now for my coach of the year. Yeah, that has not been um, an easy job, to say the least, over the last 6, 12, 18 months. There's been a lot of change, a lot of turmoil. Um, so you're right. I think Steve uh, Steve Nash does deserve to be in the conversation. So does Billy Donovan. I mean, the Bulls have shattered expectations this season. Um, they what they've been able to do defensively has been pretty incredible. Um, I had Eric Spolster in my third spot. I, I think pound for pound, he might be the best coach in the league. Um, and the Heat look very good. They've had players in and out of the lineup. But I, I think they're kind of, we, we we went into the season thinking like this was probably the third best team in the East, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. Um, now I think that they're in that conversation with, with the Bucks um, and the Nets potentially. So um, Eric Spolster, I feel like is just a staple in these conversations. Um, but also shout out to Wes Unsell Jr. The, yeah, again, speaking of, team, speaking, of, uh, speaking of teams that have surpassed expectations, I don't think any of us saw this coming from the Wizards to start no. the season. No one, and he. Uh, I hope he took the over on their win total because they're they're probably uh, going to hit it for sure. 
Um, that's it for this week. Uh, a reminder, um, if you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. NBA Sound System definitely helps us grow the pod. Um, and it makes Scott happy at the end of the day. Uh, makes me very happy. Next, yeah, next week we're going to dive back into Warrior Suns talk uh, because they play again this coming week. And it, uh, I, I'm excited for that game. Uh, I was super excited for Tuesday night's game, but I'm, I'm even more excited for Fridays just to see how they respond. It's almost like a mini playoff series. And then again on Christmas, uh, we, we get to see those two teams do battle once again. But again, if you missed any part of the show, you can go back and listen into listen to it in its entirety, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and please rate, review, um, and subscribe to the podcast NBA Sound System. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. We will see you next week in our regular time slot Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific time. NBA Sound System. Enjoy your week.